Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopping, you're up here shoplifting. Bacon, did you say ten pounds? That's a bargain. I'll take one. Eddie, you too. Join me in my office. Fat man, Oi! soap, four friends. That's my 25 grand with a money making scheme. Are you sure, you can afford 25. I can afford it as long as I see it again. That's quick. You play cards tonight, son, with Harry. Easy. Oh, don't be silly, dad. And very expensive. I'll see you for half a million. Four young fellas getting deep at the naked handle. I am panicking. Owe me half a million pounds. I'm going to give you one week to find it. Let me tell you about that shit, Harry. If Harry don't kill you, then your father will. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability, where the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. We're an Entertainment One podcast, and we're bringing you a movie this week. But before we get into it, my name is Blaine Waters, and I'm joined by Coffee Table. What? What did you just do? I just have a nickname. It's Coffee Table. <laughs> Maybe it has to do with. Cockney slang, I don't know. Because you're very not stable. <laughs> Is that like the rhyming slang on that? Because <laughs> I'm low to the ground and I'll take out your ankles. <laughs> or watch shins. Your, watch your shins on, his, on him, boys. We're going to get into uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels in a second. I just want to thank the Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for those people that go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and give us one, three, five dollars a month to keep this, this show afloat. You know? You're our mates. You're, you're our lads. Yeah. You're our, uh, you know, British friends. Yeah. You're not all British. No. But you're British in our minds and hearts. Well, for, for the sake of this metaphor, <laughs> this weird weirdness that we're doing with this movie, <laughs> you're British. Thank you so much for, for giving those pounds to us. You can support us, too, if you're not British yet. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and you get the podcast early and ad-free. Yes. You get some bonus episodes once mm-hmm. in a while, which is And might great. I say it's in higher quality for Patreons. Is it? I believe that I mix it down at like 192 KPBS. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's certainly a lot of BS in that. <laughs> um, if you're an audiophile, then you want to hit patreon.com slash rewatchability. And now for all you cinephiles out there, we're going to go with the most artful film ever made, the very considered, yes. the very slow-paced art film uh, of, of a movie, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Guy Ritchie's first film. Ah, yes. Uh, before he Mr. Gave... Madonna. <laughs> before he gave us uh, Sherlock. Before he gave us Aladdin. 
Oh, did he do the new Aladdin too? Blaine, we talked about this <laughs> like three weeks ago. I already forgot. This movie has erased my memory of anything that happened before it. In the new Aladdin, didn't you notice how there are all different little parts and they came together at the end? <laughs> um, so, Rob, when did you first see Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? It's It came out in 98, Guy Ritchie's first film. Yes. Snatch yes. was really big after it. You mm-hmm. must have gone back and seen this first film. Blaine, I didn't see this one. I'm sorry. I had water in my mouth to do a spit take at that moment, and I should have. Yeah, don't, I mean, we have nice equipment here. Please don't do that. <laughs> I'm not cleaning that up. It's like $300 spit take. No, I missed this one. I have to admit, uh, I pretty much wrote Guy Ritchie off after he married Madonna. You <laughs> what know? are you talking about? He, I mean, listen, this was the chronicle of who Guy Ritchie is to me. There's a person named Guy Ritchie. Okay. He makes m- violent movies about British people. Okay. <laughs> sure. I haven't seen any of them. He goes ahead. Wait, you didn't see Snatch or anything? Either? Not at the time. Not at oh the time. Oh, my God. He marries Madonna. Yeah. He makes Swept Away, becomes part of, like, international ridicule. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just wrote him off. Like, I didn't right. see any of the – oh, maybe I did see – one of the Sherlock's. The, the Sherlock's? You know, I just... With Iron Man in it? I have no interest in yeah. Guy Ritchie, to be honest. But wow. I thought maybe I should check my prejudices. <laughs> in let's the cage these, at the door. <laughs> let's give these upper crust British folk a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely seeing the cream of the crop in this film of the, of the British Empire. That's crazy, well, I mean, I believe there's a commander of the British Empire in this film. <laughs> wow alright alright fair, fair so that's insane that you haven't seen this movie this was a hugely formative movie for me I know as, as a as a young lad mm-hmm. uh, as gro- a chav as a chav <laughs> what is, I don't know what that means I don't know I picture someone with a shiv in a backwards hat <laughs> I I love this movie. I saw this movie at Yes a Sleepover when I was in like grade nine or grade eight or something like that, mm-hmm. and I fucking loved it. Every minute of it, I absorbed. I like went back into the movie. I rented it again on my own, and I went back through it and I wrote all the scenes. Oh, can like, I clarify? I was so insane about this movie. Were you a teenage boy at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. Which is fair. Which is why I was so into it. Excellent. It was just, it was just so violent and so the, there was like a language to it that was its own. I right. felt at the time, yes, because it was Cockney rhyming slang, and I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he invented it for this movie. <laughs> He's a genius. It made me want to like write films, right? Which is you know part of what I do now. And I, yeah, it, it kind of it was a, a very formative movie. I, wow! I, I wrote out the the script while watching the movie, and then I started trying to make my own scripts with my friends that followed the exact same kind of structure. Of oh dear! Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> they were pretty bad. So these four guys get in a card game with a mob boss. <laughs> well, it was so because I watched it with four of my friends that we like always hung out together. So right. we kept on being like, "Who are you?" and "Who like which oh character are you?" It was yeah, it was not. Uh, it was I'm not a Miranda. <laughs> 
I do like apple teenies. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So I love this movie and and I for sure thought that it was rewatchable. I mean, why even go back no. and see this movie? That's right. It's a perfect film in every sense of the word. Right. It must pass every test you can throw at it, whether it's uh, – I made Madonna fall in love with somebody <laughs> and she's a self-centered person. Right. Exactly. Well, you're going to get one of my questions for trivia right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob, you this is this is a big task. Yes. This movie oh. is is like there's no characters in this movie really. It's just individuals that forward plot. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing much ha- but it's just plot. There's no themes really. There's no genre really. It's just plot, plot, plot. So What's the plot of this movie, Rob? Can you run it down for people? Well, I would argue it does have a genre. It is a crime film. Okay. Well, there you go. It does, it does have a genre. Booyah! <laughs> Got me pretty early on Take this podcast. Take that, 14-year-old Blaine. <laughs> you would just cry. You would just cry if you did that. Well, so it's about these four sort of average-ish sort of dudes. They are somewhat involved in some shady things, but yeah. they're mostly okay. One's a cook. One's Sting's son. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sting is in this movie as a bar person. Sting is in this movie yeah. for some reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get Madonna. Hot off the heels of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> but they all have gathered up $25,000 each so that they can participate in this high-stakes poker game with this mobster named Harry the Hatchet. Yeah. And one of them is, you said the cook. One of them is like a squeaky, they call him like uh, soap. Yes. Because he's squeaky clean. Yes. One of them they call bacon because he was in and out of like the police headquarters so much. Yes. And we should pause and say that bacon is played by Jason Strathern, who is... (laughs) Is that, is that his name? No, wait, Statham? not Jason Stratham. <laughs> That's the guy from uh, Good Night and Good Luck. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Stratham. Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, Statham. Yeah. Jason Statham. But who is the only recognizable person, even if you don't get the name right? <laughs> <laughs> we are film critics, by the way. Yeah. yeah. There, there is also a football player, I should say. Yeah. Uh, if you're British, I guess you mm-hmm. wouldn't recognize that. Yeah. But I only recognize football players that are married to Spice Girls. Right. Yeah, that's the only one. That's the only Pele. one that America recognizes either. <laughs> so. But they have an advantage in this game in that the guy who is Sting's son is really good at reading people. Yeah, like, like he, a book. He has a keen eye. We see his pupil dilate once. <laughs> and that's how we can tell. It lets in more light so we can see the yeah. gestures that people are making. Yeah, there's a lot of like Breaking Bad cook montage in this movie. Yeah. So we we understand that he might be good at cards. That's their like no. edge is that he's kind of good at cards. I and guess? that's what they say. Yeah. We don't actually see it demonstrated. No. Nor do we see him being able to read people come back at any point. No, no, it's just totally dropped. Like you think maybe at the vital moment he might be like, oh, I can tell you're bluffing. Right? Lying is like bluffing and that's what you're doing right now. No. No. No, none of that. But also this skill doesn't seem to help him very well at this card game either (laughs) because 
Harry the Hatchet、yeah. is cheating with the help of a closed circuit TV camera and this little thing that scratches on his leg, which has got to be a very satisfying way to cheat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the sweet spot. Oh,、uh, that's、uh, my mosquito bites right there. <laughs> yeah,、Great. yeah. Harry the Hatchet is kind of the big crime boss in this movie,、mm-hmm. and his his name doesn't even come back either because he kills no one with a hatchet in this、But、movie. His underling does, which、yeah. is kind of like him doing it. Yeah, kind of. His、no. underling name. Named、uh, the Baptist. That's right. Yeah, but who never baptizes anyone either? What is these names are all over the place? No, I know.、Yeah. It's like you do these things once, and the name sticks, and then you just can't get rid、exactly. of it. Exactly.、Yeah. But we know that Harry the Hatchet is a really tough dude because, as one of the characters explains, he once beat somebody to death with a large black dildo. Right. All of those、uh, descriptors are important, apparently, in this movie. He did、uh, not become Harry the Black Dildo, however. <laughs> no, he owns. He trades in sex toys. Yeah, that's right. He's like the porn king, right? Yeah, he should be like Harry the Tickler or something. Like, I don't know why he's he's <laughs> Harry the Hatchet. That has nothing to do with the sex industry. In Britain,、uh, dildo is called a hatchet. Oh God, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> you know、that's、that、uh, forty wax poem? <laughs> oh, no. oh God. Whole different meaning. Yeah, yeah, so much whacking. But they, he gets, they get entrapped by this gangster because、yeah. he raises the stakes、and、past he- what they can afford to play, and then he won't let the dude fold. So he essentially forces him to borrow like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from him so that he can play the next round. Yeah, if if you're playing someone and they out ante you, and then they offer to give you more money, you can be pretty sure that they're sure of their cards. You know, that would be a good sign.、Yeah. I'm not a poker star's master or no, whatever. No, no, you know. But I feel like he's bad at reading Harry in that moment. He just seems. Bad at reading people. <laughs> he seems like he has the opposite of what his skill is, and maybe、yeah. they all forgot. <laughs> I don't know. He like want. He doesn't do anything. He just wanders out of the pub, and Harry's not like, "Where's the rest of my money that you owe me?" He just kind of lets him go because there's a.、Uh, they do that shot with the cameras attached to him. Yeah,、But、and they're playing in front of that. Now I want to be your dog by the Stooges. So、yeah. just. Fucking let him have the moment. Awesome songs playing. <laughs> True. Just lost five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Let yeah. him have the song. So he he wanders out in the street. The Baptist at this point tracks him down. It's like you're going to lose your fingers for every day you're late on paying this over、yeah. a week. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then they're going to take Sting's bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's which I believe is called Sting's. <laughs> and、uh, losing your bar,、no. that's gotta hurt. Uh, so, so you don't want that to happen. You don't want Sting to feel that. So that's a bad position for these four young lads to be in because、yeah. they're all on the hook for this money because he knows that they all chipped in. Yeah, and even at the time, I remember being like, "Well, maybe they could set up another poker game if this guy's so good with poker and win all the money back, and this is going to be like a poker heist movie, and、yeah. that's going to be great, like rounders or something." Yeah, something like that, or like I don't know, Casino Royale, like something、Ooh. fun. Uh, but instead, they're like, "No,、nah, I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked." <laughs>、uh, yeah, but luckily, there's a lot of other criminal things happening. Like Harry the Hatchet 
This guy loves old guns. Yeah. He has his eye on a couple of old, probably like pheasant shooters or something sure, like that. Yeah. You know, British people with their fox hunting. and Yeah, they're like hugely long guns. They're very long guns yeah. for a man with a complex. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't want to buy them at auction, so he sends these two incompetent – well, he tells his guy to send the two bet. guys yeah. – to go oh. and get it. See, this is where we're breaking down already because there's so many threads happening. So these two guys are kind of morons. They go and try to steal the guns mm-hmm. uh, from this place and they steal kind of the wrong guns. They sell the guns off Yes. Uh, to Nick the Greek who is this other guy that the four guys, the main characters, know and they need guns to carry out their plan that they've come up with which is the guys next door are going to break into a weed dealer, steal all the weed and money, and then make away with it. And the four guys we're following are like, this is great. We'll steal all their stuff once they come in. I'm game. Me too. Oh, God. Right. We hit them as soon as they come back. We'll be prepared, waiting. And they're armed. What was that? Armed? What do you mean, armed? Armed with what? Uh, bad breath, colourful language, feather duster. What do you think they're going to be armed with? Guns, you tit. That can't ever backfire since we're in the next room. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, it's pretty convenient. It is pretty convenient. <laughs> it is pretty convenient. That there's criminals next door and they just happen to be yeah. loudly talking about their plans. Yeah, and the criminals are all guys like them, but I guess like meaner to each other. Well, not as fun, I guess. I, we see all different levels of criminal. Like, these guys, they're shady. Like, Jason Statham yep, yep. is selling, you know, cheap jewelry on the street. Which is apparently something he actually did yeah, in his he, younger days. He was great at it. Yeah. <laughs> he funded this movie. I would have bought one of those bracelets. Yeah, he, off the backs Ten of bucks? Colexes. He- <laughs> <laughs> but they're only slightly higher than that guy and yeah the guys next door you're talking about that's right and there's other guys who are sort of like in between yeah exactly a lot of like spectrum of criminality it's a it's a tapestry of crime beautiful yes like carol (laughs) king (laughs) sure and the the weed dealers are pretty docile people they don't have any guns themselves they're they're just weed dealers. Yeah. They don't they don't want any problems. They don't want a harsher buzz. Oh man. You know, they're just doing a service. Yeah, and maybe you don't want to buy weed through the OCS online in Ontario. <laughs> you want to get your weed somewhere else. They're not criminals. They're just providing They're doing a, a public service. service. Yeah. They're heroes. Like my friend's dads used to make beer in their basement. Are they bootleggers? No. <laughs> I'm the- calling Kevin Costner. <laughs> Anyway, these these weed dealers are kind of chill. There's this one guy, Winston, that doesn't know really how to use the door. Oh, well, they have the cage over the door. Exactly. And they never use it. Exactly. Which is why these guys next door kind of know how to go in and get it because the security doesn't Yeah, work. they think it's going to be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but on the day they do... Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> lock the door. You have a great criminal plan. This is just a thing I've noticed. <laughs> you plan it all out. You have all the elements. And then something just goes awry. <laughs> have you ever, like, planned any... A heist? Well, any, like, criminal undertaking? Like, maybe I could were... tell you, but you wouldn't be leaving this room. Oh, my Lord. All right. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me. 
I'm on a need-to-know basis. Don't look under the table. <laughs> Jesus, I never do. <laughs> I never hey, it do. It would be awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the microphone's up here, Blade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of moving parts, but as those guys next door are going into the, the weed dealers, these other guys are kind of waiting for them with the long guns. Well, yeah, they do get the money and the weed. Yes. And then they, and they do drive it back mm-hmm. to the place, but, and they steal it. They, they steal all the stuff. They bring it to the place next door. Our, okay. See, this is where I got confused. Okay. You meant our guys <laughs> steal it. You mean <laughs> soap and bacon <laughs> and bread box and loafer. <laughs> they, Yes, they steal it from right. the guys who steal it. Yeah. Meanwhile, and there's also, let's not forget, there's the charming little bit with the bloke from the trip to Italy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rob Brydon. Yeah. Marco Kine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He plays a traffic cop. He's like putting some tickets on their car, uh, the guy's next door car, uh, when uh, they kind of beat him up and throw him in the car themselves because yeah. he like kind of caught them in the act. Yeah. So when our guys steal their van with all the weed and money in them, they also steal the uh, the poor cop. How did Guy Ritchie ever pitch this? It must have been the most confusing pitch meeting ever. Like him be like, no, 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 those are the guys next door that I was talking about. I wasn't talking. <laughs> Just if you, I'll have a map behind me. Did I mention stings in it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, police. <laughs> I'll send an SOS. Any guys Madonna fans here? I'm, I'm thinking of Madonna myself. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so it's a very yeah. confusing plot, but that's kind of the joy of it, I would say. Well, it, all these things are happening. At it the has same like time. this mechanism to it. Everything yeah. sort of like clicks together, and it's hard not to enjoy that. Like for example, like when the long gun gets given to our blokes to yeah. use in the robbery. Right. It's nice. Like, now they have the gun, but we wonder, like, wants. how is that going to factor back in? Yeah, yeah. There's lots of moving pieces, moving items, moving people. Mm-hmm. It's yes. very moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all a moving script, actually. No. There's no point of, like, emotionality to this script. We kind of care insofar as we don't want to see these funny guys that like each other kind of die. Yes. But that's the only threat that we have to this movie. There's not a lot of meaning in it. Well, we also don't want to see Sting lose his bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he does have an open mic every week that he sings at, (laughs) so you wouldn't want to lose that. (laughs) So the guys steal the money and the weed. They leave the cop on the side of the road. They then get found out by the guys next door because one of the the ringleaders kind of smacking them around and smacks one of the guys through the drywall and they see their own money. And they're waiting in our bloke's place with guns, waiting to kill them when they return. Yes. However, (laughs) a whole bunch of other stuff has happened. And it turns out that the guy that they were selling the weed to was, in fact, the person who was operating the weed grow up so right yeah the guy at the beginning who was watching the football match that lit a guy on fire for yeah. for uh for interrupting the football match mr breaker yeah i think so yeah yeah that's his name and so he and a bunch of other guys go to where the stuff is and they have a shooter they all kill each other yeah meanwhile vinnie jones has been instructed to like go check out because the guys should have paid up by now so he's <laughs> going into their place too oh yeah and we didn't mention Big Chris is the character's name. Yeah, Vinnie Jones. There is 
A little Chris, <laughs> a mini me, if you will, if you will. It's uh, it's a little, it's a little great. This kid just there. He doesn't want anyone swearing in front of his kid, but he like beats people to pulp in front of his kid. Yeah, it's kind of a cool character thing I, going on. Yes, I guess that is just a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was like yeah, take he, your kid to work day, so you right. had to take your kid to murdering people and beating people well, up that's for money. His work, Rob. That's, that's not that's fair. Uh, I don't want to look down on that. I don't want to shame him. <laughs> I just think it's kind of setting a bad example, and I think I think it's a little bit weird how this movie sort of sets up the Vinnie Jones character as having like some sort of moral stance that should be respected like everybody else in this movie as we'll get to right basically gets shot except for the four lads who you know weren't into anything too deep except for trying to win against a mob boss which you right. know fuck them <laughs> but then chris big chris yeah he's the guy who actually goes out he's the muscle he's doing all the intimidating he's introducing his kid to crime <laughs> His kid's going to grow up in this cycle of violence. He's a bad man, Blaine. How long has he been in this? About 20 minutes. Is he on his own? Yeah, just carrying a bag. Let's pay him a little visit then, shall we? Didn't you go to? Did you ever go to your your dad's work? Was there ever a, a take your son to work day when you were? My kid? dad killed people. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, it's out there now. <laughs> I mean, I just think the responsible thing as a parent to do is to shelter your family from your life of crime. Like that must be what everybody else does in this film because. We don't see anybody else's wife or girlfriend or family. There's no women in this movie. <laughs> That's what I was referring to before. This definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test. This is like there. there's one woman Bechdel in this movie. Bechdel owes me 50 quid. <laughs> this is, there's one woman in this movie and she has no lines because she's passed out yeah, the entire well, time. <laughs> correction, Blaine. Oh, okay, there's sorry. two women. There's the woman who is officiating the card game. She's actually pretty badass. I like her. Yes. And yeah. the, uh, yeah, the, I guess she's a junkie girl. She keeps passing yeah. out. Yeah. She has no lines. It's weird. But she does shoot that guy with the Bren gun, which we learned was built in Liberty Village. I know. That was pretty, <laughs> I, I saw that. I was like, oh yeah, Bren gun. <laughs> Canadian <good>. pride. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Canuck connection to this movie. There is. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so all this comes to a head and all the people kind of die in this room and the, Vinnie Jones takes his guns back mm-hmm. and takes the bag of money. Yep. And the guys are kind of off the hook and they're bewildered as to what's happened, but we've seen it all and they've mm-hmm. been on the outside. For main characters, they're not at all a part of the climax of this movie. Yeah. At all. The biggest, their biggest worry at this point is that one character has kept the guns. Yeah. Which he, th- you know, cost him 700 pounds. Yeah. Well, he goes to, they go to, to Hatchet Harry and Hatchet Harry has been killed by the two guys that are trying to get the guns back to give to John the Baptist. Who's working? It's all a mix up. And so Hatchet Harry is dead. And when Vinnie Jones goes in to see this stuff, they take the money, they take the guns and Vinnie Jones takes the money back from them. Uh, it's a whole mix up and hullabaloo. And then at the end, Vinnie Jones gives them the money back. 
but really there's no money in the case. It's just a, a magazine. Yeah, the the book of antiques that shows them that the guns that the guy's about to throw off the bridge are actually worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's the final frame. He's holding on to the bridge. He's reaching for the guns, which have gotten stuck on a ledge, and he has his cell phone in his mouth for some reason. Yeah. And then the cell phone rings. Yep. And then... Freeze frame. That was the best summer of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Scrolls crossed. Uh, Soap died in Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah. Bacon died of a heart condition. (laughs) Too much bad cholesterol (laughs) from bacon. Yeah, so that that's the that's the movie. That's the whole the whole rundown that's of it. That's both smoking barrels. <laughs> and we will be right back after this message to talk about some uh, some some I'm going to quiz Rob on some things and then we're going to get into the, some behind the scenes and how this movie was made and all that fun stuff after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're an Entertainment One podcast, and we're talking about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That's both of them. <laughs> Rob, I have some trivia Isn't questions for you. Isn't it four smoking barrels? Because aren't they double-barreled shotguns, and there's two of them? Yeah. Yeah, you might be right on that. I think that's a technicality. You Take know? that, Guy Ritchie. <laughs> His name is Goy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... There's an actor in this movie who almost didn't show up to set on the first day because I'm, I'm going to – he – there's not many other <laughs> women in this movie. Uh, OK. That's really narrowing it down. <laughs> <laughs> because he was uh, arrested the night before. Wow. So he, he was let go the morning of shooting to, to go shoot. So uh, what actor was that in this movie? Ooh. It's a tough one because all of these chaps seem like – Fighty, rough and tumble. Bastards. <laughs> What's right. this then? <laughs> Whoa, fight, mate! This movie is basically like Pub Buddies, the film. <laughs> yeah, it's all like posturing for fights, for sure. I'm gonna say Vinnie Jones, and you'd be right. Sir. Yes, he, uh, <laughs> he uh, the the night. This is kind of his first film. Right. He wasn't an actor before this. No, he was a uh, a footy player, if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, and and a stone cold killer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and uh, he just beat a guy up. But the guy was his neighbor, so he had to go back home that night and be like, "Hey, <laughs> what's what's up?" <laughs> that neighbor had to. Uh, was like, "Oh, fuck, Vinny Jones." Well, he right probably there. just beat him up because uh, he'd robbed a bun- guy of a bunch of weed, and then right. he was. Stealing that weed because he owed a mobster a bunch of money. Yeah, he might have like swore in front of Vinnie Jones' kid, and then that, that was called for it. Yeah, you don't want to be rude to that guy. <laughs> so this is the one that you uh, you might have guessed already, Rob. Okay, but uh, there aren't a lot of women in this film. Obviously, we've talked about that. Uh, yet a relationship grew out of this film. Oh, um, who was kind of when this film just after it was filmed before it came out? Who was kind of romantically interested in whom? They might one person might not have even been involved with the film. 
What are you talking about? Are you talking about Madonna? I'm talking about Madonna. I'm talking about Madonna. Because what I read, I did do a little bit of research okay, for this. I great. read that she saw the film and liked it and wanted to release the soundtrack on Maverick Records, which yeah. is her record label because she's a maverick like John McCain. <laughs> but apparently, from what I read in the trivia, she was initially that- interested in Matthew Vaughn. The mm-hmm. uh, filmmaker who directed Pound Cake. That's... Ca- Lair Cake? Pound Cake? <laughs> You're just hungry now. Just... <laughs> I'm always hungry. <laughs> but then, eventually uh, accepted uh, Guy Ritchie's please because she wanted to become British for a couple <laughs> of years. She really... She had a British accent she was working on yeah, and yeah. decided to devote herself to the, the motherland. She, she the was queen, like... Madge. I'm... I've become a one-named celebrity, you know? I've become a diva. I have I have my own record label. I want to be a, a knight. I was I was the Evita. Yeah, the exactly. The prime minister of lady whatever. I can't remember what the political story about that yeah, is. Yeah, the prime minister of ladies. That's what she was. <laughs> um, and, Don't cry for me, Argentina. Oh, my God, the vibrato. <laughs> So, yeah, so she was interested in, in Matthew Vaughn, who was producing this film, uh-huh. uh, instead of Guy Ritchie. And at least that's what Guy Ritchie says. Wow. I think he's kind of big-upping Matthew Vaughn a little bit, maybe, with his own wife? That's weird, right? I don't know. I don't know. So, to continue the fact that there was no women in this film... Wait, I want to talk more about Madonna. You Do don't have you? more to, to talk about their romance? No. <laughs> I don't know. They got married in a castle. Yeah, and then she was in the kind of James Bond movie he directed. He direct which he directed or a like James produced. Bond movie? He like uh he he was involved in one where she like was the she she was in a scene in a James Bond movie. I remember she did a song Die yeah. Another day. Yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the shoulders. Yeah, that was it. Anyway, yeah, she's she's been in that. Uh, was she in Swept Away? She was. And oh, here's God. the other weird thing, which I read about it. Yeah. Guy Ritchie named Madonna's character in Swept Away, renamed her because she had a name in the original movie right. as well. Yeah. But renamed her after his mom. Cool, guy. Totally cool. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's no <laughs> Freudian therapy Nothing needed bad. there. Nothing weird. <laughs> Sometimes my mom's name is just my mom's name, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're worried about. <laughs> I just think that my mom would be great in an erotic castaway adventure. <laughs> Starring my wife. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from I. You know, I, I bought a record player, and all I see are records like that I can afford. It's just Madonna. Yeah, I don't. She sold a lot of those in the eighties. <laughs> I don't want to listen. I, I don't Some really have a good. thing for Madonna. Do you do you listen to Madonna? Is Madonna a good musician? I'm uh, not really. Well, uh, girls just want to have fun. No, that was Cindy Lauper. Oh, see, you fucked up. I like Cindy Lauper better than Madonna. Crucify yeah. me. Who who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? Okay. So wait, th- remember Ray of Light? That was a good song. And was then it? when she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she had Iggy Pop sing it. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so she ruined Iggy Pop. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was one more female part in this film that was cut from the film. She played 
Eddie's girlfriend and is a famous person. Maybe if you did the research, you know. Uh, but what what is well, who was this this famous person? She was a famous American, or not American? She she but she was famous in America. Madonna? <laughs> no, it was Claudia Schiffer. Whoa! Yeah, which is like kind of out of place and very weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like the filmmaker didn't know what to do with women. <laughs> Because, like, he has all these, like, it's a huge cast in this film. Yeah. Like, there's Jason Statham we mentioned. There's Vinnie Jones. There's, like, a bunch of other blokes who I don't even know their names. And then I think that's everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't think of any other, any places to insert women into this movie. Except for, oh, maybe we could have, like, a supermodel as somebody's love interest. Yeah, maybe have a girl that's, like, passed out that doesn't say anything. Oh, I think that there were some images of women in a pile of porno tapes that was in the movie. (laughs) So I think that should count. Just give Guy Ritchie a bit of credit. How how is he supposed to know better? His name is Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if it was Girl Ritchie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh God! So he's not good that way. Even in Snat, like there's no. It's named after a woman's body parts. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, he's not very good in that department. Anyway, there, there's some fun behind the scenes stuff. Tell Rob, me, uh, did you did you hear about the whole Tom Cruise debacle? No, tell me more. Oh. I love, I love a good Tom Cruise debacle. <laughs> Want to hear all about its debacles, eh? All right. While Tom Cruise was at the buyer's screening on the Sony lot, and no one was kind of interested in this film, so it was going to go straight to video. And Trudy Styler, who was one of the uh, investors in this movie, really early, she came on, she read the script. She really championed Guy Ritchie as a creative. And she's also... Sting's wife. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I read about that. That's the person that Sting is having six-hour-long tantric sex with. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> You're making me imagine. I just saw that man on film. It's so easy to imagine. I don't want to. Like, have you seen Apocalypse Now Redux? That's like five hours. <laughs> Yeah, having Nothing. through all of that and then <laughs> half of a Guy Ritchie film right there. So Matthew Vaughn, he knew Styler and he was like, hey, can you get the most famous person you know to come to the screening to give this screening clout? She was like, I know Tom Cruise. And he was like, get him there. He likes action movies. He'll like this. Yeah. And so apparently when Tom Cruise walked in the room on the Sony lot, no stars ever really went to buyer's meetings. So everyone was like, why is Tom Cruise here? But they immediately started texting their higher-ups or paging, I guess, back then. Wow. Their higher-ups to come in and see the movie. So his presence really got people to involved and to, and to see this movie. And then at the end, apparently he was like, I'm Tom Cruise. And I put my stamp of approval on this film. And then everyone was like, give me the film. And it (laughs) sold really well. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't he say something like, you'd be fools to not buy this. Yeah, apparently. Also, check your thetans. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to run. (laughs) He like bolts out of the theater. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. And then it got bought. And then it got bought and was released. 
and and Madonna saw it and was like, hey, I want to do the soundtrack. And then Guy Ritchie made Swept Away. So that's how Swept Away got made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically Sting is in this movie because his wife gave a bunch of money. Because Sting – yeah, yes, yes. Can we talk about Sting for a moment? We uh, You really want to, so let's do it. Because – Every breath you take. Okay. No, he is very important in tantric sex. <laughs> That's right. You have to really measure them out. Yeah, yeah exactly. He is uh, not great in this. No. Also, I think he's way miscast. His he has like the glamour shots, like the cinematographer came in and did soft lighting for him. And yeah, stuff. it was very weird. It's like what you see in a film noir in the forties. Like it's very weird, and he's always like kind of face like front. And it seems like if you just took his scenes and played his music over it, it would just make his music videos. Like it's very weird. Just fade between shots of him looking at the camera, trying to act. That was pretty much what his music videos were like. He was a – I mean when the police were doing their things, he was well regarded as like an up-and-coming film actor. Yeah. Why in a crime movie involve the police at all? That's what I want to know. You know? It's very clever. <laughs> cheeky. Oh, cheeky Wattis. <laughs> yeah, I don't I just don't understand why they gave him that part. Like he's supposed to be the dad and I like I don't know. I guess we're supposed to have some sort of like emotional like, you know, oh, like he's got to do this to protect his dad. And like at one point the thugs come down and intimidate him. Yeah. And he kind of I guess is supposed to try to be intimidating back, but it's Sting. <laughs> I understand if this has come as a bit of a shock. But let me tell you how this can be resolved by you, the good father. Go on. He likes your bar. Yes. He wants your bar. And? Do you want me to draw you a picture? Look, that boy doesn't know his arsehole from his ear hole. This is my bar. It's got nothing to do with him. What, and I care? Yeah, I mean, Sting looks at his son in those scenes like he's looking at a large piece of cardboard with lines written on it. <laughs> that's, a, that's the emotion he has towards his son. There is some backstory to that story as well, though, that in the story world of the movie, Sting and Hatchet Harry uh, used to play cards together. Oh. And Sting was about to lose a lot of money to Hatchet Harry, and instead Hatchet Harry had a heart attack, and Sting won the game because of that and won all the money and bought the bar with it. So Hatchet Harry kind of wants to take the bar from him, and that's why he allowed the kid to come in the game, and that's why he filmed the the cards and and stole the money from him because he had a vendetta. But that's not in the movie? That was cut out of the movie. Yeah. I kind of like that. That makes a little bit of sense to me and gives the movie uh, something, yeah. like Since some emotional weight. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot, too. Instead, I'm just wondering, why the fuck is Sting in this? <laughs> and why the fuck was Sting in it? I don't know. Styler? Sting, Sting has been fucking bumming around Toronto recently. Have you seen that? Just hoping to be in another movie? <laughs> <laughs> I have a bar if anybody needs to put it up in a high-stakes card game. <laughs> Just going around offering to take people's pictures and really just recording himself. <laughs> if anybody wants to dune over here, I'll do that. I'll dune that. Because <laughs> um, he yeah. was in that musical. He, 
produced. Oh, come from away or whatever. No, come from away is the Canadian musical about nine eleven. He did this musical <laughs> about shipbuilders. Why is there a Canadian mu- musical about nine eleven? That's insane. Don't make me explain this to you. It's about the planes that landed in Newfoundland on 9-11 oh, okay. because they couldn't land in America because of okay. the 9-11. And then apparently it was real heartwarming. Oh, that's nice. And now they have this big musical. It's called Come From Away. It's yeah. done by local Toronto theater creators. Like Go Sting. see it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not Sting. Sorry. No, but down the street, Sting had a musical called The Last Ship. Oh, okay. And it's about like shipbuilding in England and he <laughs> produced it and sort of like wrote I don't, like wrote all the songs for it mm. and uh, it did a run in London and it didn't do very well so oh. when it came to Toronto Sting was like maybe it'll help if Sting's in it <laughs> <laughs> so did it help is it still running I don't think so <laughs> I think it's done I hope Sting's not in town Because now I've just talked a whole bunch of shit about him And he knows some tough characters Yeah, you get a Harry on your ass Hatchet Harry Yeah That'd be bad Yeah So some other kind of stuff that happened behind the scenes of the filming of the movie uh, Jason Fleming Who was the guy on the bridge with the guns yes. And holding on with the phone in his mouth Because that's how you work a phone He was He said that he had to work for free near the end of the movie That they paid him uh, his day rates and everything, but at the end of the movie with the reshoots, he had to do those for free because he owed the investors so much money because between uh, wow. shots, they would play poker for real money. Wow. And he, and he lost a bunch of money to them because he's an actor. This whole movie was just a setup for a high-stakes poker game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Argo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like Argo. Okay, fair. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know that how. movie's going to become really relevant when that whole war with Iran happens because Trump wants to get reelected. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Ben Affleck will still suck. <laughs> send Ben Affleck in. <laughs> Just send him. Just go. Just go. You can dress him go up to in the Batman gear. Ben Affleck, get out of here and go to Iran. Go with the, the your Batman stuff. Go be Batman in Iran. Nobody wants you here. Oh, man. <laughs> poor, He's poor our ben Batman Affleck. in a red. <laughs> poor Ben Affleck. All right. Um, ben Affleck. Ben Is Affleck. that like his like erratic name? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say Arabic so weird? I don't know. <laughs> Is it because I said Ben Affleck so weird? Yeah, I like, guess well, so. I got to put the emphasis on the rock. Anyway, there was an original ending to this movie that didn't test well with audiences because they wanted like a – a kind of happier ending for the four guys. Mm-hmm. It was the four guys found the money and the guns, and they were like, shit, we, we made it all right. Let's walk away. And they walk away into the sunset. And then Vinnie Jones and his kids and his kid walks after him. So you're like, oh, shit, yeah. he's going to kill him or do something bad to him. Mm-hmm. So then it didn't test well, and apparently Guy Ritchie saw the results of the, the test and then wrote the new ending on the back of like a cigarette carton. Wow. Uh, you didn't have to, Guy Ritchie. That seems like... Uh, Guy, I have this stack of paper for you. Yeah, we have a typewriter <laughs> over Fuck here. Fuck you. <laughs> like, you're not, you had to refilm stuff. You're not going to just... didn't have to be filmed that day. That seems crazy. Uh, I just... So, something... I just want to hate Guy Ritchie so much. Because of Madonna? Not because of Madonna. Like I... Like I said, I was going to let go of my prejudices. Okay. And I looked at all the internet. All of it? 
And like Guy Ritchie <laughs> just seems like a prep school fucking douchebag. Yeah, yeah. It's him and his soccer buddies just duding it up and being dicks to everybody. And right. his parents, he is his mom is like a fucking ex baroness. Right. So like I have no fucking and here he's playing like making this lower class sort of like yeah. here are these, you know, working class it feels dudes. Like trading you know? on someone else's story kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah. I, he just seems like a prep school dropout. I, I, you know, I think he's probably a not very likable guy. Right. I do think this movie is still pretty tight, though. It is, and it pains me to say it. Yeah, but it's also one of the movies that he probably worked on the most and probably had the most input because he had Styler looking at it. Other investors, Sting. Sting, who we all know. Great writer. We're just going to go have tantric sex and think upon it. We'll be back in uh, six, seven hours. <laughs> Comes back with a new script. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I write well. I bang. Sting. <laughs> you know, when they say bang out a new new draft, that's what that's I what do. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I bang Me it and out. Tyler. <laughs> So I think that there was so much input on this that made it a lot better and also a lot of test audience stuff that led to a better film, I, I think. I mean, he's talented. It's very like – I like all the bits that come together. It's very hard not to like this movie. Yeah. It's very clever in a very cheeky way, which is enjoyable. There are some things that I really don't like about it, like yeah. the casual homophobia doesn't play so well. No. I mean, I guess I guess you could argue that that is those are the guys, those are the things that they would say. Yeah. But I bet I, Guy I, Ritchie would be saying them too and laughing. Well, yeah, and I think that like you would have a better leg to stand on with that stuff if you were of that time and place. Yeah. Uh, which he isn't. So I don't know. It's 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 He's a, a time little... traveler. <laughs> He's from the future where we eliminated homophobia. He came back and gave us more of it. <laughs> Well, he's he's bringing it from the future to the past, <laughs> um, which is very nice. It's a very nice thing for him to do. Yeah, I know it doesn't hold up well in those departments, in any political department. It definitely doesn't hold up at all. Well, there's like lots of, you know, racism. Yeah, yeah. There's like a person of color in the film who's a gangster as well, which I kind of liked. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That's something to look back on with our 2019 eyes. Yeah, I, I feel like it's played like it's totally exotified, like, you know, yeah. and we have a black gangster. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although that's one of my favorite characters, and I think the actor does so he fucking is great. well. He's so yeah. fun in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his deadpan is, is like right on. For sure. So, yeah, I think I think that though the writing is tight and I love the direction of it still – there is a lot of – it's problematic. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's wrong with it mm-hmm. that doesn't hold up well today and kind of makes you cringe. But it was really fun to watch. So I'm going to say that it's you know it's on the rewatchable side. What, what about you? This is the first time you saw it. Yeah. I think it is rewatchable. I think some of the things that I'm criticizing it for can be forgiven in a first-time filmmaker. Right. It is like a boys movie. Totally, through and through. And I think that's okay, but I'm also just very tired of it. And I feel like we can be very critical of just like these movies made by young male filmmakers, which are just, you know, kind of like, there's not, this isn't totally shoot 'em up. Right. But it's all like using these elements, like the criminal element, and it doesn't really have any need or 
awareness of women. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not at all. So I don't. I'm. I don't know. Like it's fun. I would watch it again. Yeah. But I. It's. It didn't do really anything for me. It's not like. I don't know. It didn't appeal to me in a way that other movies did. And I tried to think about other crime films because I like crime films. I like yeah. crime films that have like a mechanism. Did you I, see Pound or Layer Cake? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like British crime films. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair. So I would say it's it's rewatchable, but. I, Maybe I'll watch it again if it's on. I don't know. Yeah, okay. So, like, mildly rewatchable. Mildly rewatchable. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I I found it very fun just because I watched it so young and it was formative to, like, see those characters doing those things again. And, and like, there were so so many monologues that I had memorized. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot all about this. I hadn't seen it in 10 years. But so, so many of them are, you're a poofter because of this. You're a fairy because of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy's from the north. <laughs> yeah, that stuff didn't, yeah, that was bad. That was awful. It's... Yeah, uh, it was. I I did kind of like that it was a comedy as well. Like a lot of crime films are just out and out crime films, and this is mm-hmm. like a crime comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which is also I think a little unique. Yeah, uh, for the time period that it was in, especially. Yeah. And and I I liked that. I appreciated that part of the the movie too. So well, I think I would say that there's like a glibness to crime films of the '90s, right. which you know it can be a little bit much, like just making all of these movies about criminals with guns who do drug deals that go bad and a whole bunch of people die like what's the end game (laughs) yeah and you have to be a bit like comedic about it because it is a little silly or what are you saying or why well yeah there's nothing to say this movie has nothing to say yeah i think that's the part that i think is most disappointing like guy Ritchie has the filmmaking wherewithal to connect all of these strands together but he couldn't do it in a way that meant anything well, I don't think any of his films have ever meant anything. Like maybe Aladdin will. But, but <laughs> it means <that's>... lamp. <laughs> but that's because the the head of Disney is like, it needs to mean something for the families. Do it. I hope that we see Will Smith in some Guy Ritchie films now. <laughs> that would be great, actually. It's a cockney rhyming slang. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith can do action like few others. So yeah. I, I, I think that would be pretty great. Yeah. Get Tom Cruise in there, too. Yeah. Tom Cruise likes a good Guy Ritchie film. He likes a good anyway, Guy Ritchie film. So that's it for Rewatchability this week. Thank you for joining us and, and uh, listening to us discuss Lockstock and Do Smoking Barrels. If you don't have the $135 to give to us a month and you want to support us and you like what we do, then uh, – You can play it off in a card game. <laughs> and you can tell your friends about it. Maybe while you're that's playing good cards too. with them. Yeah. yeah. Or you can give us a review. We just got uh, some some reviews a little while ago. Thank you so much for those who did review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. And or on any, you know, podcast app that you listen. And thank you. Write a nice note and throw it in the wind. <laughs> and thank you for listening so much and we will talk to you next week. Bruv. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.